Hello everyone, this is Jeff Davis, Director of the Ohio Department of Developmental Disabilities. We're glad to be with you again, and we have a true rock star with us today. Dr. Julie Gentili is Chair of the Department of Psychiatry of Wright State University, and Dr. Gentili has worked with individuals we've served for many, many years, and she is now uh, sort of headlining right, our telepsychiatry effort across the state. I think we're in 77 counties, in right? That's correct. And what did you tell me? 14, how many individuals are we now 1, reaching? 1,475 individuals. 1,475. That's fabulous and growing. So we're grateful to have you, right? Thank you. Um, thank you. Thank so you for the invitation. We want to take advantage of your time and all of your knowledge and experience, right, and talk about, but why don't we start with telepsychiatry? Maybe, sure. if you wish, a little bit how we started. I know the department sort of contracts with you, but it's, it's, it's growing all the time and in a lot of different ways. So It is. Uh, it's actually been uh, since 2011. That's when the idea had arisen because telepsychiatry became legalized in the state of Ohio by the medical board. At the time... I was working at four different clinics and one day per week each. And I had a, um, a caseload of individuals from about 22 counties coming to see me from, um, from various areas of the state. And the, the clinic was actually in Greene County. So the caseload consisted of 92 or 93 individuals from these 22 counties. And they were all driving in for the 30-minute follow-up appointments. They all retained their ties to the local developmental disabilities board um, in their county of residence. So they had their SSA in place. They had their supported residential settings. They had their programming. But they were all struggling to find psychiatry services and psychotherapy and case management on the mental health side. And so feeling badly about the staffing issues and the transportation and the cost, not to mention the time that it takes for an individual to drive an hour, two hours, three hours for a 30-minute appointment. When telepsychiatry came online, I thought, this could work well for Ohio. I had spent a few years doing road trips all over the state and had um, given presentations to increase awareness and spread clinical knowledge in the area for several years. So I knew that there was a desperate need for mental health professionals that were trained in intellectual disability. And so we made the offer to these 92 individuals. And so it has to be it has to be agreed upon um, both sides. So the physician has to agree to see the individual by webcam and the patient and the patient's team, advocates, guardians, etc. They also have to agree. We offered this to everyone and they all agreed to try one appointment and they all um, never went back. So this is uh, typically done over a computer? Right? I'm sitting at a laptop or anything like that. Is that how it goes? It can be a a desktop, a laptop, or an iPad. And the software is HIPAA protected. It's virtual software, and it's updated automatically. And we can patch a third party in if there's a guardian in a different uh, location, for example, and they want to sit in on the appointment. The psychiatric intake, we prefer to do that in person. So we do ask that the individual and the team drive to Wright State to do the initial, the 90-minute or 60- or 90-minute intake, whatever the patient can tolerate. 
but we we like to do that in person to create that relationship initially, and then all the subsequent appointments are via webcam. However, there is a rule that the medical board allows the intake to be via webcam with the psychiatrist as long as both parties are in agreement. If there's travel issues, if there are safety issues, staffing issues, which um, is is not too uncommon with some of the individuals at the time of intake, they're often in crisis. So if it's a safety issue, then we will absolutely do the, the psychiatric intake by webcam. So if you can generalize, if you wish, I mean, mm -hmm. is there typically when you get a referral, is there an overarching reason? Yes. Um, it's almost always some kind of um, aggression um, or behavior change that um, that the the team or the individual they're they're not sure of the etiology of the behavior change. So it can be verbal aggression, physical aggression, property destruction. It can be self injurious behavior, or just behavior changes that are disruptive to the individual's quality of life. And so we we welcome those cases. We I we. Our goal is to do the detective work necessary to rule out medical conditions, get people patched in with psychotherapy or occupational therapy, sensory assessments, speech therapy. Um, I, I see a lot of individuals who, it may be their transition age. Maybe they had a sensory assessment 10 years ago. Maybe they did speech therapy as, um, as a middle school child, for example, and maybe it's been 10 years the technology is different. There's so many options available to the individual and the families. It's incredible. Just in my years of seeing patients in this population, people will come into my office now and have iPads with apps and technology for hearing and for other sensory perception. And uh, I, I'm constantly trying to keep up with the technology along with the technology of using the webcam itself. But the other thing that I really have appreciated and I did not expect when we started this, I thought that I would miss seeing all of my patients in person because I, it was really important to me to see them in my office and to have them in the same room and the eye contact. And sometimes that's difficult for individuals with autism spectrum disorder, individuals with fragile X syndrome, uh, Down syndrome, it sort of depends. And so what I found is that the patients on webcam are more comfortable and they feel safer and they're more revealing with their information. And so I actually know more about my patients now because um, I'm seeing them in a location of their choosing, which is really important for our patient population. You mentioned earlier, perhaps there was a, you know, the medication regimen is off a touch or perhaps um, any other number of things, misdiagnosis or underdiagnosis or whatever it might be. Um, do we see that enough to say, okay, that's a problem? We do. Okay. It's, it's really, um, we had an interesting case this morning that really illustrates this well, what you're describing. The resident came in and said, I, I'm not sure what to do. There were probably... 10 different things happening. It sounded like the, the patient was trying to leave programming um, 
every so that so the there was elopement, which is a huge yes, safety yes. issue. Right. Um, so I started asking questions: Where are they eloping? Is it are they eloping from home? Are they eloping from programming out in the community? It's always from programming, and it's second shift. And so there's a clear pattern. So we, I said, okay, so we need to find someone on the team who can give us specific details about what is the programming consist of. Does that patient feel safe there? Um, the patient was also biting his thumb. And so I'm immediately thinking, okay, we have to rule out organic pathology or medical conditions and the oral cavity and the upper respiratory system and the upper GI system and in the hand gout, for example, or neuropathy from diabetes. So there's a whole list of things that we can do. So I, um, I, we recommended that he get some lab work. Um, I recommended that he get uh, a thorough physical exam from family practice physician, which hadn't been done in eight or ten months. And um, we, add, we had an expanded lab panel. So instead of just getting the typical red and white blood cell count and a metabolic panel, we're going to get a rheumatoid factor and an ANA and a SED rate and some things that are going to tell us if there's an inflammatory condition in the body, in the system. And so um, the labs will give us a, a wealth of information. So we ha- in my mind, there's this big, long list of differential diagnosis. And then as soon as we start collecting information, <clears throat> then we can start crossing some of those off the list. So what do you, what do you see the, the, the biggest sort of systemic challenges from, from your perspective? Well, um, I'll tell you, I talked to my colleagues at the national level who are doing the same kind of work in other states, and I am constantly reminded that... Um, to have access to the director of developmental disabilities and the director of mental health and addiction services is incredibly rare. Uh, They remind me of that all the time. So I never take that for granted. If you have support at the top and you have funding for projects um, to, to reach people where they are, people, you know, where they, where they are at, where, where they reside, um, we're just incredibly fortunate to have the network that we've built, the support of DODD, the support of of um, MHAS. We, it's 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 amazing to have directors communicating, collaborating, uh, building projects together, and who have staff and liaisons who are literally reaching out all over the state. And I don't see that matched in any of the other forty nine states. And I've talked to a lot of people at my national conferences and we have networks and we try to keep in touch and compare notes. So are people hesitant? Do you still think to reach out? Are they skeptical of the, I mean, what is there, is that still exist? I, I do think there is still some skepticism with regard to webcam appointments. Mm-hmm. We still run into problems with some of the emergency departments around the state, mm-hmm. and they'll say, we, we, for example, we pink-slipped someone, which means we had to involuntarily hospitalize someone uh, about a month ago, and um, the emergency department that we we notified, they said, we can't accept the pink slip. You haven't seen the patient in person. Um, and f- webcam appointments are face-to-face. I mean, they qualify in every way, shape, and form yeah. as face, face-to-face inter, um, interaction. And so there are there is some of that, certainly. I think also we have some elderly parents, for example, who have their adult 
children with ID still living with them. And so some of them choose to, a handful, choose to drive to us, even though it's a couple hours. Um, Sometimes it's because it's an outing, it's sort of a road trip, and if that's a a good experience for the family, then by all means. And we're in the office working, so we, we welcome people coming to see us. It's just that would it be easier for that indiv- for that individual or for the family to to click a link in an email and then we pop up on the screen? Um, that's my only question. So yeah, there is there are some people that are hesitant with the technology. We do everything we can on our side. We have an IT individual assigned to our team. Uh, Justin can walk people through. They can they can do test appointments to to test links before the actual appointment time. If the individual doesn't have a computer, for example, then the county board of DD is required to drive a computer to their house that morning, the morning of the appointment, or um, to provide a private space, an office space within the board of DD, and that happens all the time. The boards of DD have been com- incredibly supportive of this project and have private offices, and this is great for individuals with, with programming. They can literally leave their programming, walk over into an office, close the door, have their appointment, and then walk back. Um, onto the floor where they're where they're working and making money and being productive, but yes, we are taking referrals. We do ongoing care. We also do one time second opinion assessments. So if an individual is being seen by someone in their local community, whether it's family practice, pediatrician, internal medicine, psychiatry, if they want a a one time look, a comprehensive assessment with recommendations, then we welcome individuals of all ages in all 88 counties. So there's no restrictions on that. And and we we welcome those because the, it's a great experience for us to meet a new individual, a new family, a new team, and then um, to be able to take a fresh look. Maybe there's a diagnostic dilemma. Maybe there's polypharmacy. There's too many medications on board and they need a second look. Maybe it's a family practice doc that hasn't been trained to use or prescribe antipsychotics. And we need to go through, we can give them the formal recommendations for metabolic monitoring and for um, screening for extrapyramidal side effects, et cetera. So there's, there's lots of things that we can do to assist um, on, a, on a one-time basis. Dr. Julie Gentilly, this has been a delight. Perhaps we'll do this again and we'll talk some in depth about right, some very specific ways in which you approach these things. I would love that. Uh, I'd love grateful. it too. We are very grateful, and um, we will talk to you again, and we will talk with everyone again. I appreciate everyone listening. Thank Thank you. you so much, Director Davis. Appreciate it.